psychological resiliency is not about feeling good all the time. Psychological resiliency is getting better at feeling bad. We can't expect that life is going to be honky-dory all the time. But when we talk about building that psychological resiliency, it's like flexing or strengthening that muscle that makes us stronger and able to navigate all of life's comings, okay? Welcome to the Head to Heal podcast, where you'll go head over heels learning about how the body and the brain work together to either feed disease or fight it. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist and founder of The Mindful Clinic. With a background in nutrition, behavioral neuropsychology, and hypnosis, I'm going to walk you through the root cause of your symptoms and disordered behaviors. The body has an innate ability to heal. No one is destined for illness, and most, if not all, disorders can be reversed. Come with me as we develop a new understanding of how you can use your head to heal and truly thrive. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Head to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist, hypnotherapist, and founder of The Mindful Clinic. Today, I have a very exciting and special topic to share with you guys. So we are going to talk about how to work through difficult emotions. Now, this topic is actually really, really important because ultimately, it's those negative emotions that get stored in the body that not only lead to things like things like disease, but also continue to keep you stuck in these like negative cycles, which eventually can lead to things like, you know, anxiety, depression. And really, when we talk about emotions, and I'm going to kind of repeat this over and over again, but emotions are really just energy in motion, right? E and as an energy in motion, emotions. <laughs> and so energy in motion means that they should be quite fluid, but human beings have very specific adaptive tendencies that keep those emotions either stored or repressed somewhere in the body and keep us ruminating on them so we get stuck in these very specific cycles. I'm going to break this down even further, but let's just kind of dive right in. So we know that emotions are primarily stored within the body. Now, there is an incredible relationship between the brain, the body, and the nervous system that allows the nervous system to perceive something and then send a signal down to the body and communicate to our organs, our cells, different body parts, and, and myofascial tissue, right? And so the number one thing that is going to separate you from somebody who is happier or more successful, and I don't just mean in like career, but you know, success in all aspects of life, is your ability to regulate and these emotions and allow these emotions to flow within you. Your ability to regulate these emotions and regulate your nervous system is what is going to make you significantly more resilient to life's like ups and downs than the average person. Because no matter how much therapy you do, like you can spend all of your money and time and energy into your own evolution, it's not going to change the shitty things that are going to happen. Okay, like shit's gonna fucking hit the fan sometimes, guys. I can't protect you from that. No therapist can, right? And so this type of work, when we learn to regulate our emotions, it doesn't change what's gonna happen to you. This type of work changes you and how you react to all of the stuff that's going on. And that is really ultimately what will determine your future and the experiences that you have. Because if you don't know how to 
allow space for these negative emotions, you're going to get stuck in cyclical cycles. And I'm going to tell you how this actually works from a neuroscience perspective. It's quite fascinating. (laughs) Obviously, I'm a big nerd. Um, But the more resilient you are, the easier it is for you to navigate life, for you to stay in the zone of happiness, yeah, and to ultimately let go of unhealthy coping mechanisms. Psychological resiliency is not about feeling good all the time. Psychological resiliency is getting better at feeling bad. We can't expect that life is going to be honky-dory all the time. But when we talk about building that psychological resiliency, it's like flexing or strengthening that muscle that makes us stronger and able to navigate all of life's comings. Okay, so let me give you a quick little nerdy neuroscience and somatic lesson. After the age of 25, the brain's ability to learn and change and grow basically comes to a natural halt. And this is because you have at this point actually learned everything that you're going to learn in order to survive. Truly. Even if you personally haven't experienced a parent dying or winning the lottery or an alien abduction, like you've read about it, you've seen it in a movie, or you've had somebody close to you who's experienced it, which means that the brain has already built out these neural pathways that can be activated to provoke the sensations or emotions that you would feel if this were to happen to you. Okay, let me just like take a second and and, like really solidify this in your nervous system. Your brain is not designed to learn anything after the age of 25. This comes from a very evolution and adaptive place because the brain's number one job is to keep you safe, right? And so up until the age of 25, like we're developing all of these, we're observing our environment, we're developing the neuronal pathways, we're learning about life and how to navigate it in order to keep us alive. Now, part of what makes the brain very efficient is its ability to store things like store memories and emotions so that when you encounter something in the future that elicits a similar emotional response as something that you've encountered in the past, the brain actually already knows how to like bring, activate that emotion, right? It, you know how to respond to it. So this is really adaptive because it keeps the brain very efficient and saves us time so we don't have to keep learning how to navigate life. Like it would be like learning how to brush your teeth every single morning. Relearning these things is not necessary and the brain does this for a very adaptive purpose. Now, just to kind of like make this make a little bit more sense, just because you personally haven't experienced things like a parent dying or whatever doesn't mean that your brain doesn't already conceptualize and know how to respond to that. Now, of course, if you were to experience it in real life, in your own life, the emotion might be stronger. It might stay for longer, of, like, of course, right? It might go deeper. But at the end of the day, the emotion is the emotion. So if I actually told you to close your eyes and think about a color that doesn't exist, like you wouldn't be able to do it because it doesn't exist. It would be like a variation of all the colors we know. But let's say as you're walking through life, all of a sudden a new color that doesn't exist pops up. Your brain would be forced to create a new neuronal network and and a new neuronal pathway in order to store the memory of experiencing that color. Hopefully this is getting clearer. But at the end of the day, the thing that I want you to know is that after the age of 25, the brain does not intentionally change, okay? So the brain, of course, 
can change after the age of 25. You just have to intentionally do it. And this is how we engage in things like neurogenesis. And there are many ways that we can change the brain and change these patterns and pathways. And that's actually what I'm going to be teaching you guys at the 1111 event on November 11th in Toronto. And so I'm going to keep that aside. So for everybody who's coming to that event, you'll get all that information then. But there's a very close interrelationship between thoughts, emotions, and behavior. And I'm not going to get into a big CBT lesson right now, but your thoughts basically lead to an emotion, which motivates a behavior. That behavior creates a thought, which then leads to the emotions, which then motivates behavior. And it's this like big cyclical cycle of, you know, you, you think something, then you feel something, and then you behave in a specific way because of that thought, because of that feeling. And then that behavior creates a thought which leads to the same cycle going over and over again. So when we experience any emotion, the brain already has a neural pathway that's created and stored for that emotion. And after the age of 25, there's no new emotions that you're going to feel. You've already felt them all, okay? The scale at which the emotion, you feel the emotion might be different, but the rudimentary primitive basis of that emotion already exists and the brain already knows how to activate that pathway. For example, the feeling of grief. Let's talk about sadness or grief, right? You might have felt grief for the first time when you lost your stuffy as a kid. And that grief might be different from the grief that you feel when you have your first breakup versus like then you experience a parent dying later in life. Like it's still grief at the basis of it. At the root of all of those experiences is grief and you're just feeling it in different scales. You're holding on to it in different ways. It's staying around for longer. It's going deeper, right? And all of that part of it where we keep it around for longer, like that, we can actually work with that as well. I'm not saying that losing your stuffy is gonna be the same thing as losing a parent, but at the end of the day, if energy is in motion and emotions are fluid, then we can navigate how to experience and hold space for these emotions without letting it control or dictate our life. Like the goal here is not to feel any negative things, right? The goal here is to get better at feeling negativity because the negativity is inevitably going to be there, okay? A new layer. All of your emotions and programs are stored in the subconscious. You are not consciously aware, nor do you choose what emotion to feel at the trigger or stimulus. Like, you're not watching a happy show and thinking, I'm going to be happy now. Ha 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 ha. You're just watching the show and laughing out of comedic relief, right? When you encounter something scary, you don't think right before the thing, I'm going to be scared now. Ah, you just like get scared and then elicit the emotion. So the, the subconscious mind is always working and is uncovering these buried emotions that we felt in the past. And this is all happening without you consciously having to think about it. Positive emotions are, of course, in most cases, welcomed. Now, there is a handful of people, I will say, that feeling those positive emotions, actually, they'll like prevent it. So they won't be able to feel the positive emotion for long enough before they manifest something negative because their brain is literally wired to experience chaos or it's more familiar for the brain to experience chaos than it is to feel peace, right? And so like, again, that's definitely a topic that we'll explore on 11.11. We have to go deeper with that. But, but I just want to bring recognition to not everybody is wired to experience happiness at all times, but that doesn't mean that they don't have the potential to 
to have that experience, right? And so just because your wiring, which is what we get from ages to zero to seven, creates chaos and worry and stress and all those things doesn't mean that that same person has the potential to change their wiring and experience a very successful and happy life. It just means that it has to be intentionally done. You have to actually go in there and reprogram and rewire. And that's why reprogramming the mind was a huge, huge part of my success. Like I didn't grow up in like affluency. I didn't grow up where I liked myself. In fact, my entire childhood, I really, really hated myself. I remember crying myself to sleep, like praying to God that like I just wished I would be a different person. I just, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me. It wasn't fair that I was me because I didn't have any friends and (laughs) people made fun of me. And that's not their fault. Like kids are going to be like that. But I also grew up in an environment where the adults around me also didn't know how to regulate their emotions. And so I grew up not learning how to emotionally regulate in stressful situations. And that created states of chaos for the majority of my life, which led to things like substance abuse and food addiction and and just ultimately low fucking (laughs) self-worth until you go in there and you change it, right? And so, and that is primarily what my portion of the 1111 event is about. Like this is about really teaching your brain, reprogramming and rewiring your brain so that you can actually experience the thing that you desire because you fucking deserve it. And you didn't choose your programming, right? Like that, that's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to create a different future because nobody's going to fucking do that for you, you know? Okay, sorry, I digress. Let's go back. So positive emotions are usually welcomed, right? And negative emotions, though, are more often than not, they're not really something that we want to feel, right? So more often than not, we don't really know how to allow ourselves to kind of melt into them and let them express themselves in a very positive way, which will ultimately allow us to like release them from the body. So let me just backtrack for a quick sec. Emotions are stored in the body. Yes, we got that, right? So I'm actually going to take you through an exercise. So hopefully you guys can understand this a little bit better. I want you to close your eyes, okay? Take a big deep breath and release. Beautiful. So I want you to think now of a not so positive experience. I want you to think about an experience that just, oh, yikes. Maybe it made you feel like you weren't enough. Maybe it was a moment where you experienced grief. Maybe somebody broke up with you. Maybe you didn't get that job. Like whatever, maybe it was you just feeling bad about yourself. Just think about that negative experience. And I want you to really feel into it. Like feel it as if it's actually happening. And tune into your body now and see where that experience lives. So you're going to feel like an activation in your body. You might feel a bit of tension or like a contraction, might feel hot or stiff. But there's a place in your body that that emotion or that experience lives. Yeah? Okay, you can open your eyes now. Because all of our emotions subconsciously lead to our behavior. When we don't deal with those past traumas, and you can now see, you can physically feel how it is stored in the body. When we don't deal with those past traumas in a healthy way, or learn to regulate from them. They just live in our body. (laughs) They just stay there. (laughs) And they get reactivated anytime something elicits that same response, right? So when 
kids in when I was in grade two, <laughs> there was this girl who everybody loved. And she went around the whole school asking who they liked more, her or me. And everybody, every single person said they liked her more than they liked me. Even people that she wasn't friends with that I was friends with said they liked her more than they liked me. Obviously, as you can see, I'm pulling from something from grade two. I'm obviously still harboring some emotions around that. So we'll just let that sit there. But that experience where the it felt like the entire world was against me, that aloneness is the same type of aloneness that I felt with the rejection of my first love, right? When that all, when my me and my first love broke up, it felt like I was being rejected. It was at a different level, but it was the same rejection that I felt when I was in grade two, and it lives in a specific place in my body, okay? And so as we go on throughout our lives and we experience different things in different ways, when we elicit those same responses in the body and it, it hurts every single time and sometimes more and sometimes less, and we don't deal with it properly, it actually leads to things like compulsive behaviors, overeating, substance abuse, but also like constant worry and manifesting the same toxic relationships or being broke all the time. Any type of stuckness that you can think about in any area of your life, you want to look at the negative emotions and you want to know which emotions are behind those behaviors of stuckness or behind those experiences that you feel like you just can't get out of, okay? Hi, babes. I am so excited to talk to you about my signature program, The Mindful Method. This is the exact same method that I have been using with hundreds of successful clients to help you heal your relationship to food, to increase confidence, and to lose weight without dieting or killing yourself at the gym. If you're sick of not feeling like your best self, if you're sick of promising yourself that you'll start again on Monday, if you're sick of going on restrictive diets only to gain back the weight, I can tell you right now that if you gained it back, it did not work. You know what's healthy and what's not. You do. You just continue to choose the unhealthy option anyways. And a meal plan will not solve this issue. There is no amount of restriction or discipline or willpower that is going to stop you from self-sabotaging. The body follows the mind. Imagine a life where you don't have to think about what you can or can't eat. Imagine a life where you feel confident in all of your clothes, where every day and every way your body rebalances and you lose all of the weight so you find the truest, healthiest version of yourself. Imagine never having to start again on Monday. This is what happens when you focus on transforming the brain so weight loss is effortless. The body follows the mind, and it's time you actually get to the root cause of your issue. If you are ready to transform and find the truest, healthiest version of you without letting go of your favorite foods, I invite you to fill out the application in my bio. And if you're a good fit, we'll be in touch soon. Back to regular programming. So when something negative happens, we basically just shove it down into the body and we store it. And if we don't deal with it in a very adaptive way, the subconscious will continually manifest situations to represent the repressed negative emotion for resolution. But the problem is, if you knew how to resolve it, you wouldn't have done it in the first place. You wouldn't have repressed it in the first place, right? You wouldn't have 
you wouldn't have gotten yourself stuck there. And so this is the loop that I'm talking about that keeps us stuck. It's like, we feel the emotion. We don't know how to regulate from it. We store it in the body. We're like, oh, we'll deal with that later. And then we just walk through life and the subconscious manifests the same, like similar situations to allow us to revisit that emotion so we can resolve it. But if we don't know how to resolve it, we just keep storing it and storing it and storing it. And then we keep like welcoming those same experiences <laughs> to help us resolve it. And then we don't know how to resolve it. So we store it again. And it just goes on and on and on. And this is how people get stuck in cycles, right? And so if we don't know how to adaptively regulate and move through them, then we will continue to revisit them over and over again. Now, doing this work is not going to stop that guy from breaking up with you. But what it will do is it will stop you from manifesting emotionally unavailable men. Because when you change the lens that you're looking at life through, when you're no longer looking through the lens of like, I'm not worthy or, you know, I don't deserve real love. When you change that lens and the I'm not worthy and not not deserving true love is the emotions that are stored in the body. Like those are just the words that I'm putting to it. But when you change the lens that you're looking at life through, you're going to when you're able to deal with those repressed emotions, you're going to change the lens. So you're not actually looking for emotionally unavailable men to revisit that problem and resolve it, to revisit that emotion and resolve it. Hopefully this is making sense, right? So if you're with me this far, you'll understand that learning how to deal with difficult emotions is actually probably one of the number one things that you can do to change your life and to change your experience. And like, babe, we get one fucking life. So as we know, life is way too short to spend it getting stuck in the same cycles for spend it people pleasing, for like receiving less than you give for not standing in your worth, okay? So a huge part of my evolution, going from somebody who was very insecure, a university dropout with a substance abuse and a food addiction to healing my body, building a global business, manifesting literally everything I've ever wanted and helping people all over the world. Like in order for me to go from there to here, it really does come down to this process. Like this is how I did it. I grew up in a place where I didn't understand how to regulate my emotions. And so when you learn about, you know, the brain, the subconscious and, and psychology and all these things, you learn about you and you learn how to hold space for those negative emotions, they can express themselves and we can resolve them so we don't keep manifesting the same bullshit into our lives. Okay. All right. So I learned to understand, navigate and hold space for all of these difficult emotions. And of course, like life's a journey. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. You're going to continue to learn. You're going to get the same lesson again. And then you're just going to deal with it differently. Okay. But let's actually, let me just tell you actually how to do this. Like, let's get into the fucking good shit. So the first thing is you need to feel it to heal it. No more repressing it. (laughs) No more allowing it to take over your experience, you need to really feel it to heal it. And the reality is emotions, so emotion, energy and motion, actually only live in the body for about 60 to 90 seconds. That's crazy. That's not that long. And yet human beings are so intelligent and we have all of these higher order thinking patterns and the prefrontal cortex and all of these things where we feel that emotion. 
And then we just tell ourselves a story about it over and over and over and over again. And we keep that emotion stuck at bay, right? Like you feel the emotion of like, oh no, I'm going to get rejected. Like that hurts. That feels painful. And then you tell yourself a story of like, well, maybe it's because I'm not pretty enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe he thinks I'm overweight. Maybe they didn't like my hair. Like maybe I'm not qualified enough. And do you see how every time you go in a circle with these thought patterns, you keep that emotion stuck there? Right. And so if emotions really only last in the body for about 60 to 90 seconds, but you tell yourself a story that keeps it alive there for years, forever, for some people who don't transcend this or dissolve this, right? Like you actually have the power to move it through your body. Okay. Humans are so intelligent to our detriment for sure. Right. And so Looking at this all now, how do we actually heal this? Like, how do we allow these emotions to exist and regulate around it so we don't keep manifesting the same bullshit? So I have three, like, major steps. The first step is to identify the emotion. Okay, this is called labeling. So we want to label the emotion. We want to give it an actual name. And by doing so, it actually helps us unstick from the emotion. So, for example, if you're going through heartbreak, crying endlessly might feel like you're feeling the emotion, right? You're feeling it. But are you feeling it or are you just like allowing it to take over, right? When we can feel that emotion and we can say, okay, this is sadness or this is grief, we label it. And then instead of reacting to it, because what happens when you're crying and crying and crying, it might feel like you're feeling it, but instead of feeling it, you're actually just reacting to it. So you become a victim of the emotion almost. It's like, oh, this is so hard. How am I ever going to get over this? Right? Rather than just being like, oh, I'm feeling grief right now. Grief is coming up. This is sadness. Right? When we can actually identify something, when we can say something like this is sadness, this is grief, fear is coming up for me right now. You almost kind of want to sound like you are a third party observer for a good friend that you have. It's like, mm, anger's coming up for you right now. Yes. You want to like validate those feelings for them. That's how you want to talk to yourself about emotions. Like that's shame. What you're feeling is shame right now. And so once we can name it, we can actually tame it. Okay. So allowing ourselves to identify exactly what that emotion is allows us to separate a little bit from it and then observe it from that third party perspective. Okay. And just by the way, there are actually only a very small amount of very primitive emotions. So some people will say, will say things like, oh, um, the emotion that I have is regret. Like regret is not an emotion. Um, regret is a state of being based on an emotion. So why do you feel regretful? Well, because I did, I, I don't know, like I stole somebody's pen and I shouldn't have done that. Okay. So what is the actual feeling that you're feeling right now? Is it sadness? Is it anger? Is it pain? right? Grief is, some people say it's primitive. I think grief is, if you break it down, sadness. Fear is another primitive emotion. So we have like anger, sadness, depending on who you talk to, grief, fear, guilt. Once you identify what the emotion is and like validate it to yourself, it's kind of like you have this out-of-body experience where you're just like, oh yeah, I can let it sit there. 
The second thing that I do is I use ACT. So this is acceptance and commitment therapy. And with acceptance and commitment therapy, what we want to do is there's this process called diffusion. So this is really where um, we diffuse from the emotion. And so more often than not, when we have these really heavy or difficult emotions, we feel very fused with them. So it's it's not like, oh, uh, you know, it's like, I'm sad right now. I'm unhappy. So you're identifying with sadness. I am sad. You're not sad. You're Jordana feeling sadness. You know, you're Joe Schmo feeling anger. You're not anger. <laughs> that's that's basically saying your entire being is anger. No. With cognitive disassociation or with diffusion, what we want to do is we want to say, I'm XYZ. I'm Jordana. I'm Jane. I'm John, whatever. And I'm having the feeling of sadness right now. I'm having the thought that I'm bad rather than saying I'm bad. It's like I'm having the thought that I'm bad. When we diffuse, when we separate from the emotion, we see ourselves as separate from it. And that emotion can literally move through us. Then it can be energy in motion, right? It's like, no, this isn't who I am. This is what I'm just experiencing in the specific instant. And it can change at any point in time. Okay. The third thing that I would recommend is doing the somatic work. So very similar, like these all kind of come in together, right? They're all related. And so just like I asked you before to close your eyes and to feel that spot in your body that stores that negative emotion, this is going to require you to have kind of a quiet spot or for you to be able to tune everybody else out. But you want to feel that emotion in your body. You want to name it, right? You want to identify or label it. And then feel it in your body and you want to just soften the muscles around it. Like just like actually physically work on the physical rather than the emotional or the intellectual part. Physically just soften the muscles around it and allow it to exist. And that's how you hold space for it. Rather than saying like, I shouldn't be sad. Why am I sad? I don't want to be angry, whatever. You just kind of let it be. And if we can let it be, then it doesn't get stored. It can like come up to the surface and move through us, which is exactly what we want it to do. And so with these three practices, I invite you all to take some time and work through your difficult emotions and see how you navigate the day differently. You're going to feel like you just got a warm hug from your higher self. That's like, yeah, you go, girl. You go, you go, Glenn Coco. You go. Okay, because like I said, shit is always going to happen. We can't change that. And so you are just going to get better and better at not letting it impact you, which makes you significantly more resilient than the average person. This is... Like I said, this is how trauma gets stored in the body and leads to things like disease. But that topic we are going to explore on 11.11. So if you're wanting to go deeper and get, you know, actually direct healing to help you move through these things and rewire and teach your brain not to do this, then I invite you to come to the event, especially if you're listening to this and you are a practitioner who wants to deepen your practice, okay? Dr. Taggy is probably one of the most skilled practitioners I've ever met. Like, I wouldn't trust most naturopaths with a 10-foot pole. Sorry, guys. Like, maybe I haven't met good ones in my lifetime, but I've seen many of them. And Dr. Taggy really just is, she's my mentor. So I, I trust her with my life. And and not only that, but she's so unbelievably skilled and immersed in her own mastery. It's one of the most beautiful things to see. And yeah, I mean, I'd like to say the same thing for myself. Um, but uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you feel that way about me as well. 
But if you're a practitioner and you want to go deeper into your practice and you're in the health and wellness world, for the past couple of years, I've been receiving so many messages and requests, especially from students. Like I have co-op students that come in time to time, but people who are just recently starting their business and they want me to mentor them and mentor them on how I practice and why my success rates are so high, but also on how to like build their businesses, right? So practitioners are constantly asking me to teach them about food psychology, the mind-body connection, all of these things so that they can get better results in their practice. And I'm going to be very real with you. Every single one of you guys that are practitioners has the potential to make your health practice a multi-million dollar business. Like it's it's available to you, okay? And not just that, but like actually help people truly heal because like that's what this is all about anyways, right? Because when I was studying nutrition, I learned so much about the body, right? Like, you know, you learn how to balance blood sugar. You learn about thyroid support. You learn about candida and parasites, like a heal digestion, all of those things. Like those things are inevitable. You learn about the body. And with that knowledge, I could help about 30% of my client base. Like 30% of people got better. They took the supplements, they got better, okay? But then you learn about the mind because it's like, well, what about the other 70% of people that just aren't fucking getting better and taking the supplements or can't follow through? And they're like, you know, you see them once, you never see them again. Like, how do you help those people? And then it's like, well, then you have to learn about the psychology. You have to learn about the mind. And once I learned how to master the mind, I could help my get my clients to get their nervous system to create the internal environment for healing. And get even better results, right? And so then I could help about 70% of people. But there is that rest of the 30% of people that, you know, you just, you're they're doing all the right things, they're following through, and they're just not getting better. And that's where the soul comes in and the soul's purpose. And that's when we have to look into soul contracts, soul wounds, understanding like the, the real things that have programmed our nervous system beyond just like what a trauma is. And once we understand the perp, the soul's purpose and connect to our mission, that's like you're golden. That's 100% of people, baby. And so all when all of these three things are in harmony, this is the baseline and the possibilities are endless for you and your clients. And so if you're a practitioner, I invite you on 11-11 to come with me and global expert Dr. Taggy as we take the stage in Toronto and teach the entire audience how to master their minds, heal their bodies, and connect to their soul. And so from this experience, not only are you going to get the knowledge that you need to strengthen your practice and heal yourself, but also practical tools to use with your clients. I'm talking about muscle testing, tapping, hypnosis, energy healing, subconscious reprogramming, so much more. I wish I knew this when I started practicing. This event is literally your golden ticket to enhance your life and your practice. And this is the shit that they do not teach you in school. So rather than contacting me to mentor you and spending all this money on this long mentorship, just come to a one whole day jam-packed event. It's on 11-11. By the time this is released, hopefully there will still be tickets left. I know I think we have under 20 tickets left, so you better run. But anyways... If you made it this far, my friends, I love you. Happy dealing with your negative emotions. That's quite the oxymoron or contrary statement. Okay, I got to run. But I love you guys so much. And if you like this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and share it with somebody who might need it. And I will see you back on another episode of the Head to Heal podcast. Bye. (laughs) 